This afternoon's session begins with the question and answer session. It's a chance to discuss the practice of meditation and Buddhism in general. And we'll do this till about 1.30. Then we'll have a um, session of walking meditation, 45 minutes till 2.15. Yeah, 2.15. Then back here for one hour of sitting meditation till 3.15 and then one more session of walking meditation until 4 o'clock that's 45 minutes and then 4 to 5 the last session in the afternoon is one hour sitting meditation till 5 and then we'll have a break for drinks and refreshments The first question is in Thai, so I'll read it in Thai and then translate. The question was uh, about birthdays, just um, say it's near the questioner's birthday time, the birthday's on the 16th of March, and generally when we have a birthday coming up, what is the best way to practice with that? What is the right attitude to have towards birthdays? what would be a wise attitude towards birthday and what is the best way to practice on one's birthday what should we do and it's also asking for a blessing for the lady's birthday which is on the 16th of March when we recollect a birthday it's perhaps good to begin with the birthday of the Buddha that's the most difficult birth in the world for a being to be born as a Buddha um, because it needs so long takes so long for a being to develop the parami, the spiritual perfections to become a Buddha another rare and difficult thing that we can recollect at this time is the, how difficult it is to obtain a human birth beings in all the different realms um, are many and those who actually have the good fortune to be born as human beings are few we should also remember that the birth of a human being happens on two levels there's the level of the physical form the physical birth when a baby is born that is the birth of the human body but the birth of humanness or what we call Manusa in Pali, the language of the Buddha is not necessarily going to take place then this is the human birth on the level of the mind our humanness which means the mind must have a state of morality and understanding of truth or sila dhamma Uh, to be a perfect human means or to realize our potential for perfection as a human means not only being healthy in body but we also have to be healthy in mind and that is something difficult to achieve to be a human who is complete who has realized their full potential they have to that person has to have um, be established in the five precepts understand them and practice according to them and that is something that's very hard even more so the eight precepts that you're practicing and training with today 
So we should reflect on our good fortune on our birthday if we have come into the world at this, and we have up until today we've got our good health, a healthy body and we have intelligence so that we can lead a, a life in a skillful way and develop ourselves spiritually we should consider now that this is the result of our good karma from the past giving its result we're very lucky, very fortunate and so on this day, our birthday we should dedicate ourselves to the practice of Dhamma that means the practice of generosity, kindness moral precepts we perhaps can chant the Buddha's teachings and practice meditation even better if we actually go to somewhere where there is a teacher or Sangha practicing and we actually listen to the Dhamma on our birthday to improve ourselves to hear the teachings and improve our understanding of them when we practice the Dhamma we're giving ourselves a blessing of course we go to see monks, Sangha members to gain blessings as well but the real blessing is when we practice and develop ourselves inwardly and this is the real blessing when we give rise to the quality of the Sangha or a true uh, truly enlightened being those, those qualities when they arise in their heart in our heart that is the real blessing you could say that quality that which is venerable or worthy of veneration when that arises in our heart we are giving ourselves a real blessing the Buddha himself gave us the greatest blessing by giving us the teachings the path or the way that leads out of suffering and try to remember this it is our good fortune that we have um, come into the world and we have the chance to hear these teachings but remember we can't be sure how long we'll be here on our birthday we should ask ourselves how long have I got left how long will I live if you say the average maximum age of a human being is perhaps 75 or 80 years old then on our birthday we should say well how many years have I got left at most I can expect so many years uh, off from 80 years old so how long have you got? consider this life is very uncertain so we should use our time to develop the path to develop good, goodness within ourselves and try to uh, follow the spiritual path while we have time as we get older our opportunity to practice will get harder and more difficult because of old age and the uh, degeneration of the body so now when we are strong and alive and healthy with intelligence we should really use that chance to practice to let go of our attachments and our unwholesome tendencies of mind our greed, our anger and our delusion and put all our efforts into developing the path and developing the Buddha within us within our own hearts this is the, uh, the real way we can purify our hearts is bringing up this Buddha nature this Buddha awareness in our hearts often we think of monks as ones who shave their head put on the robes but we should also see that the true monk or nun is in our own hearts it's that state of um, purity or that which is worthy of veneration which can arise in all of our hearts through the practice 
Lastly, we should also remember the goodness of our parents on this day. Bring up a sense of gratitude when we think how much we owe to our parents, all the good they've done for us since we were born, looking after us, helping us and guiding us. Um, We should always remember that on our birthday. From time to time, a sense of sorrow appears because no matter how much and how long one tries dealing with problems, such as family problems, they seem to never go away. How does one deal with the feeling wisely? Can Ajahn please kindly advise? The heart of the Buddhist teachings are the Four Noble Truths. The Buddha said birth is dukkha, stressful, it's suffering, and it's followed by dukkha of different kinds in our lives. We have old age, sickness, death, we have painful feelings of body, painful feelings of mind, we have sadness, depression, anger, all the different forms of suffering and stress as human beings, they all follow on from birth. Just living in the world, we will encounter stressful situations and different conditions that will bring up a sense of dukkha or suffering in the mind from family affairs, from our work and just from the um, difficulties of living in this world it will bring us dukkha. So the Buddha had us focus on dukkha, on stress and suffering and see it as a noble truth. We must know dukkha for the way it is, know that dukkha is like this, suffering is like this. Be aware of it, be mindful of it, using mindfulness and also patience and endurance. We have to have that patience because dukkha is going to come up in our lives. And sometimes if the dukkha, the sense of suffering and stress is very great, then we have to have great patience, great endurance. And of course we have to use the Dhamma to contemplate it. In trying to contemplate dukkha, we have to first of all be sincere that we want to find a way out of dukkha and we want to find the truth, understand the truth. When we have that sincerity, then the mind will really be looking for the cause and for how to end the dukkha. And then you'll get the strength of mind to renounce, to give up what you might have to give up to get through your dukkha. You might sometimes have to give up your personal comfort or happiness. Sometimes we have to give up our attachments and our desires if we want to remedy the cause of dukkha and and end the dukkha in our hearts and to get through our problems. So contemplate this. Contemplate dukkha as a noble truth. See how it's normal that living in this world there must be some dukkha. It's stressful. Birth, old age, sickness and death are all around us and so it's normal that there is dukkha around us. If we are able to, if, if we are to get beyond dukkha, transcend it and end it, we have to develop this path then, the path that the Buddha gave us, developing our sila, developing our samadhi and our mindfulness and developing insight and understanding. When we develop insight into dukkha as a noble truth, then our sense of self will diminish, that sense of self that forms around the dukkha and attaches to it, will diminish and we'll feel better, we'll feel 
have, we'll have more of a sense of emptiness, spaciousness in the mind and we'll feel happier in ourselves. This morning Ajahn taught about contemplating the Dhamma during sitting meditation. Could you please advise us what we do in order to contemplate the Dhamma in sitting meditation? When we talk about developing samadhi and peaceful states of mind through contemplating the Dhamma and the development of wisdom, we can see the value of this when we understand how distracted our mind normally is. Usually our mind is thinking of many different things and it's very difficult to deal with this. When we come to practice mindfulness like this and develop samadhi, we can see this mental proliferation and how much it stirs the mind up. So we use contemplation as a way, a technique to develop calm. We use our memory, we use our thinking and apply it to the Dhamma, to truth, to see the three characteristics of our existence. We contemplate to see impermanence in this body, in this mind, in this life. We contemplate to see the changing nature of this body as it grows and ages. Even from moment to moment we can see change, can't we? We breathe in and we breathe out. Just that is teaching us that this body is very impermanent. Or we can contemplate on the long term to see how this body grows up from being a baby to an adult and then to old age and eventually goes to its death. We can contemplate to see the weakness of this body and the changes that come through illness. <coughs> we experience changes in the body uh, that manifest as different kinds of illness, pains, discomfort. All of this is showing us impermanence that this body is ultimately not in a state that can last. It has to degenerate all the time. When we contemplate like this, we come to see truth and understand truth. And this applies to the whole world around us. We can also contemplate to see the unsatisfactoriness of this body. Because it is subject to change, it's not satisfactory, is it? Just look at our posture. We have to experience discomfort every day because we can't hold our body in one posture. We have to move around from moment to moment. We have to change from standing to sitting to lying down, get up again. We walk and then we stop. We're always changing posture because of pain and suffering and the unsatisfactoriness of this body. But that changing posture allows us to hide from the truth. We don't contemplate the truth normally. But think, if you didn't change your posture, then life would quickly become intolerable, wouldn't it? If you were just stuck in one posture all the time, just sitting or just standing or just lying down. We can also contemplate to see how the continuity of things hides dukkha and hides the truth of no self, the lack of self. Normally we move from one thought to the next, they're joined together by our, our memories and the, the memories provide information which allow us to think in an associative way with one thought feeding the next. And 
It's only when we come to contemplate and analyse this body we can see that this sense of continuity, the, the sensing, the feeling, the thinking is actually can be broken up through mindfulness. When we contemplate the four elements of this body, the hardness of the earth element, the um, liquidity of the water element, the heat and cooling of the heat element and the air and the movement of the air element. When we contemplate each element in turn, we analyse them, we, can, we can't find a person there. We can only find a state of emptiness or no self or what we call anatta. The more we contemplate this, we see that the mind is made up of these four elements, the more we can see that there's no real self here that owns this body. So all these different types of contemplation bring us to peace and understanding. We come to understand that ultimately, at the end of our life, we must separate from everything that we attach to, our possessions, the places we know, the people we know and love, everything we have to separate from. When we contemplate like this, what it does is it helps us to remedy that mental proliferation and distracted states of mind. The more we contemplate, the more it brings the mind to a sense of peaceful unity. We don't just have to contemplate ourselves, we can also contemplate things outside of us. Just as you walk around the monastery, you might contemplate the leaves that fall off the trees when they dry and die, they fall off. And just in that, you can already see the anicca or the impermanence of the world and understand from this the truth that the Buddha was pointing to. And this will bring you to peace. If someone is deeply depressed and unhappy because of a marriage breakup, the loss of status in life, the early death of their mother, and unhappy family background, is it possible to over this overcome this kind of dukkha with meditation? In the West, people like to see a therapist or a psychiatrist. What other advice would you give for such a person? When we face suffering in life, it's important to use wisdom to gain a balanced view of life, to see that life does have its imperfections. There are many aspects of our personal life and the world around us that are imperfect. Sometimes that imperfection is because of our own mistakes. Um, but for whatever reason, um, the thing that makes the world perfect is the practice of the path to develop mindfulness and wisdom. So we must apply mindfulness and wisdom to our problems, to allow the mind to see and accept the truth of, of existence, and this will bring it to peace and an end of suffering. All of us sitting here, we're all subject to dukkha. There's no one without, without exception. We all have to face old age, sickness, death of, and different kinds of dukkha. Everyone has that. In the time of the Buddha, there was once um, the daughter of a millionaire who uh, fell into great suffering. Her husband died and then her child died, her baby died. She heard and of the Buddha and had great faith in him, in him as a teacher and thought of going to ask him for help. 
she took her dead baby in her arms to the Buddha and said, Can you help me? I have my dead baby. I want to bring him back to life. The Buddha said, I have one, only one way I can help you is if um, I, I need to get some special ingredients to make a medicine that will help bring your child back to life. What is it? She said. He said, You must go and find me a mustard seed from a house where nobody has died in the last hundred years. She said, yes, of course, I'll do it now. And she started going around the town, asking people, knocking at the door, saying, do you have a mustard seed? And they said, yes, of course, uh, I want a mustard seed. And then she'd say, but has anyone died here recently? And they'd always say, yes, of course, our granny died, our uncle died, our mother died, somebody died. So she went from house to house, always receiving the same answer that yes they have a mustard seed but somebody recently has died in the house until she gradually changed her view and realized that yes life is impermanent we must all die we must all come to separation from the things and the people that we love and like and gradually right view and wisdom was established in her mind in this way if we attach to the past with ignorance and delusion it will always lead to a sense of guilt and depression so we must use sati, use mindful awareness to contemplate and know our minds when we're caught into thoughts of the past we have to catch that with our mindfulness and let them go, not attach to them if we keep practicing this way we can gradually raise up the level of our mind if we keep practicing dana, generosity and kindness morality and contemplating the Dhamma we can gradually raise our mind up so that we don't have to fall into these moods of depression it's the practice of the Dhamma that is most important and as long as uh, we have enough money and resources to live in this world we don't have to have the most but as long as we have enough to get by then what we should do is turn our attention and our energy to the practice of Dhamma as this will be our real refuge and help us through our suffering Can Tanajan explain why a person when near the moment of death can experience fear and in a situation a person will not feel fear The reason we fear death is because it's the unknown What we fear is what, what's going to happen Where will we go? What will happen? it's uncertain it's that uncertainty that the mind doesn't like it's not familiar with but really the only thing in life that is certain is death there was one time the Buddha was giving a Dhamma talk and a young lady uh, the weaver's daughter came into the village and um, walked into the crowd that was listening to his Dhamma talk the Buddha stopped and asked, where, where have you come from? And she answered, I don't know. Where are you going? She said, I don't know. And the people gathered around and thought this wasn't a very nice or respectful answer. Being a young girl, she should answer the Buddha exactly where she came from, her father's uh, workplace, uh, going to her home and so on. But the Buddha said, no, she's answered in the correct way because this young lady was actually very wise and already on the way to enlightenment and she was answering correctly that 
she didn't know where she'd come from, meaning before she was born, she didn't know where she'd come from because the reason we're born into this world is ultimately speaking it's from our own ignorance and darkness that feeds our defilements and attachments that lead to birth. And where we will go at death is also we're going to go according to our ignorance and our defilements. So we can't say we know where we'll go because we have these um, attachments and we have delusion in the mind and we can't be sure what, what will happen because of that. So it's correct to say we don't know where we'll go. It's this fear of the unknown, of this ignorance, this darkness that uh, feeds fear and creates fear in the mind. So when we practice the Dhamma we contemplate, we see that when we're born we're alone, when we die we're alone. When we practice it's we who have to do the practice because of this truth that we are born alone and die alone then that's why we have to do the practice for ourselves. We must develop mindfulness and build confidence in ourselves in the good karma that we are making through the practice. When you meditate here today then imagine that you're practicing for your death, for that last moment of your, your life. When you're trying to establish mindfulness in the mind and let go of all the distractions and the unwholesome dhammas. What you're trying to do is attach to the Buddha within you, to the knowing. You're holding on to the knowing with mindfulness and your concentration. And when you can do this successfully, then of course your fear will disappear. You won't have any fear in the mind if you can hold on to mindfulness and the, and the, the awareness of the Buddha in your mind. The mind will be free from fear. What we should really fear is birth, not death. Because where does birth come from? Birth is fed and caused by the kilesa, the mental hindrances, our ignorance and our attachments. One who is not afraid of death is one who has mindfulness. And they also have a store of happiness in their mind arising from the good karma of having lived and practiced their life in a good way. All the good karma that you are making through your practice of dana and sila and bhavana, this is supporting your mind to be in a healthy, happy state. The Buddha said that death can't catch up with one who has mindfulness. It won't be able to catch them. So if you can see this and see the value of all the good karma you're making through your Dhamma practice throughout your lives, you'll see that this really gives us a store of inner wealth or spiritual wealth that manifests as happiness, stability of mind and deep faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And this will help you to overcome your fears at the time of death. <laughs>